If you could turn in your Bibles to the book of Mark, New Testament, the book of Mark. I'm not going to keep you long, um, but I just want to share a message with you that I believe the Lord has laid on my heart, and I know it will be a blessing to you. Mark chapter 5, in your Bibles, Mark chapter 5. You know, in many, in many situations of life, we wonder and we ask the Lord, Lord, why? Why do, we do, why, why do these things happen to me? Why do we go through struggles? Why does problems happen? As you're finding your place there in Mark chapter 5, uh, in 2 Corinthians, you don't have to turn there, I'm just going to read a passage of, or a couple of verses that is very familiar to you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 3, Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who, the Bible says, verse 4, comforted us, comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You see, the purpose of your trials, the purpose of your tribulations, according to the Bible, is so that God can comfort you. But the purpose for your comfort is not just to make life easy for you, though it does, but it's so that you can comfort others. In any trouble, the Bible says, in any problem, that's just amazing to see how God's grace can work in any situation and bring about, in, in one sense, deliverance for us, but when we have that experience, when we share it with someone else, even though we're not going through the, a similar problem that they are, we can share our experience of what God has done with us and that helps them. We serve a mighty God. And in Mark chapter number 5, we find a very similar story. A story of a man like you and me, but a man who struggled with something. A man who struggled with something that... Some of us would find as an anomaly here in the States, but in countries abroad, it's very much present. And we find a man, in verse number one, it says, And there came over unto the other side, and they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadareans. This is Jesus and his disciples. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately, the Bible says, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Lord, thank you so much again for the opportunity to hear from your word. Lord, take these few minutes that we have. Speak to us. Lord, fill me and help me to say exactly what you would have me say. Thank you. You are a faithful God, and I just trust you. Lord, bless our time this evening. Thank you for what you will show to each of us. Help our hearts and our minds to be open. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We find a person described in verse number 3. Verse 2 says that he was a man with an unclean spirit. And verse 3 says, Who had his dwellings among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no not with chains, because verse 4 says, Because that he had been often, bound, often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, verse 5, 
Night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. We find a man, a person, but a person who had a problem. And this problem as described here is not a problem, is, is, is not something that is just light. It in fact controlled his entire life. Day and night, the Bible says, he struggled with this. He struggled with this evil spirit. And according to the Bible, this was a demon-possessed man. And it, it shows us the, the extent of his problem in the sense that sin had taken control of him and Satan had taken control of him to the extent where he was doing things that were not normal. The Bible says he was living in tombs. Nobody lives in a gravesite. But this man was. And another pastor of Scripture says that he was without even clothes many times. The Bible says as well, not only this, but when people would come to him, they would find him cutting himself with stones and crying and yelling out. But also from the passage of Scripture, we see in verse 4 that he had been bound with fetters and chains. Why would they bind him? Well, he would probably harm them. Or he would harm himself. So not only was he a man with a problem that he had, but that problem was affecting other people as well. And they tried to bind him, but the Bible tells us that, last part of verse 4, that he had plucked all those things asunder. He had supernatural strength through the Spirit to just break away these chains. In verse 4, the last part says, Neither could any man tame him. A hopeless situation. Put yourself in this man's situation. You're day and night struggling with this spirit. And at times it would come upon you. And you don't know what you're going to be doing because you're not in control of it. It was definitely a serious problem. A problem that no one, not him, not his friends around him or the society around him. I'm sure, I know that I'm speaking from the silence of Scripture, but he may have gone to doctors or those around him and tried to, tried to find some help. Family members would have tried to bring the best help to him. But the Bible says in verse 4, Neither could any man tame him. No human help. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, in one sense, showing us what the passage of Scripture is saying, but also will give an application for us tonight. We find a person, just like you and me, a man. We find that he had a problem, and the problem was with sin and, and the devil, and something that controlled him, and made him do things that he was not in control of. A time in his life of failure, as a human being, maybe had family, maybe as a son to his parents, he was a failure. To his friends, he was a failure. And he lived alone in his sin. But we find the power. Look at verse number, verse number 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Think about that for a moment. From this passage of Scripture, this looks like this, has been, this had been in his life for over a period of time. It had become a lifestyle. 
A lifestyle of hopelessness. A lifestyle of complete failure time and time and time again. One day, Jesus steps on the scene. Jesus hadn't even spoken yet. Jesus hadn't even looked at him yet. But he saw his creator. And within a moment, look at what, look, look at what, what, what happened in verse 6. The Bible says he ran and worshipped him. It's interesting in this passage of Scripture to see. This man ran to Jesus at this time and worshipped him. But who came to him? Verse number 1 says, And they came over unto the other side into the country of the Gadareans. Jesus came to him. Jesus saw him before he saw Jesus. And Jesus came to him. But when he saw Jesus, he ran to him. And I want you to see this evil spirit that used to trouble people and maybe pounce on them or or hurt them. What is he doing in verse 6? He worshipped him. Can I just say for a moment, this demon not only had come face to face with the creator of the universe, but he came face to face with the Son of God. God in human flesh, standing right there. This was no ordinary man. This was God Almighty. And in a moment, he was powerless. He bowed before Jesus and worshipped him. You know the rest of the story. This demon pleads with, with Jesus and asks him, please, if it, be, if it be possible, let me, as Jesus casts him out, is it possible for me to go into the swine and die? Let the swine die or, or, or uh, let the cattle die with me or with us in it. The Bible says in verse 9, it was not just one, but the Bible says it's legion, for we are many. He thought it was one, but it was many spirits that were troubling him. A very complicated situation if you think about it. But look at verse 8, before we jump jump further. Verse 8, and he said, for he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Jesus saw him. Man, the man bowed, bowed down and worshipped. The spirit bowed down and worshipped. And right in a moment, Jesus fixes his problem. Not by giving many medication. Not like many times going into the ground, though he's done it, picking up some, picking up some clay and, and, and putting it on the eyes of those who are blind. He spoke. And his words brought deliverance. The Bible says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The one who is the incarnate, the personification of truth, spoke. And in a moment, all that this man struggled with for all of his life, gone. Jesus just says, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. The Bible tells us later on, verse 15, how Jesus had helped him, and the, the, in, in one sense, the, the product or, or the, re, the, the ultimate reaction of that situation, verse 15. Then they come to Jesus and see him, and see him that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion sitting, not in the tombs, sitting, and clothed. 
and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Jesus in a moment caused a change in this man that no other man could do. Jesus in the moment presented himself as the only answer to this man's problem, which he is. And in a moment, this man's life was changed. Could we agree that he had comfort? God had comforted him. God had helped him in his tribulation and in his problem. And right away, we see this man, after he had been delivered, he says in verse 18, And when... And when he, was, when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Here's this man, away from everyone, alone in the tombs, away from everyone. Isolated. Jesus meets him and in a moment changes his life and he's now sitting in his right mind, clothed, but also now wanting to follow God. No more does he want to be in tombs anywhere. He wants to follow Jesus. He wants to be where the crowds are. He wants to be where people are. But I want you to notice Jesus' answer to him really gives us the purpose for why Jesus did this. Look at verse 19. Howbeit, the Bible says, Jesus suffered him not. That's very strange. Lord, why didn't you take him in the ship with you? Jesus could have taken him to the next few places that he's going and showed him off as evidence of what God's power can do. But no, Jesus had another purpose for his problem or setting him free or changing him. And that was this, he says, but said unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord had done for thee and had compassion on thee. I haven't given you a title, but I'll give it to you in the end. Jesus had a purpose for this man, and it was not just to set him free, but it was to send him back to tell people about the change that had happened in him. Look where he sends him. Go home. I was talking to someone today. The most difficult mission field to reach is your own home. People who know you so well. Who's pro who've probably seen you mess up in life. They have stuff that they can hold against you. But Jesus sends him to those people. To his friends who were very confused and deserted him at one point. But now they can see what Jesus had done. And the Bible says he sent them not just to show himself, but also to tell them. And he tells them what to say how great things the Lord had done for thee. He sent him to go and tell them what Jesus did for them, what Jesus did for him, what Jesus did in him. There was a change, a wonderful change, and changes his complete life, a complete 180. But there was a purpose for that change. And the purpose was this, so that he could be a witness to other people about Jesus Christ. Now here's the time for application. That person can represent you in here. 
Not someone who may be demon-possessed or someone struggling with something. But can I tell you, if you're not saved in here, you're as equal as this man because the Bible says you are the children of darkness. And you do as your father, the devil. You may think you're in control of your life, but unless you accept Jesus Christ, you will follow sin and what it dictates to you. You will follow Satan and what he tells you, and it will lead to ultimate destruction on this earth and eternity to come. But maybe you're saved in here. And you're not going through demon possession. But there's that sin. Some addiction. Something that no one else knows about. Could be an ailment. Could be something in your life that is causing you failure every time. You find yourself alone and saying, God, there's really no help. I've tried this. I've tried memorizing Scripture. I've tried doing this. I've tried doing that. It could be something in your life that only you and God know. But can I tell you this? There's no other answer but what this man found, and that is Jesus. Jesus is the answer to that very problem that you have, that I have, that all of us in here, if we're honest with ourselves, that we have. And Jesus is the only one who can bring about that change. But He has a purpose for that. When He changes you, it's for one purpose, so that you can go and help others. You know, this story can, can in many ways, could have ended very differently. This man could have gone, and Jesus could have used him in another purpose, but no, God chose for him to go back to his own people, to those who he, who he was around probably. And in application, maybe there are friends who know you, family who know you, that you know, I cannot go back and tell them that God has helped me. The shame. What would they think about me? They'd call me a holy Joe. But Jesus is sending you to them. And He's saying, go, don't talk about yourself. Talk about what I have done for you. Do you know, when it all boils down, that's what a missionary does? A missionary is someone who probably goes to a foreign field. His location is different. But just tells those people who may be different from him, maybe may have a different language, but tells them of the change that Jesus had done in him and how he, Jesus, can change them as well. You know, there was not a lot of missionaries at this point that went to the place of Decapolis, but one did. And he was a man who was demon-possessed. Look at verse number 20. And he departed, obeying what Jesus told him, go, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And what does the Bible say? And all men did marvel. Here's the title. The missionary to Decapolis. Not someone who was great and mighty and had all this great heritage and different things. No, he was just an ordinary man struggling with problems that Jesus made the difference in his life. And he sent him out to go and tell the message, to point other people 
to the only answer, Jesus Christ. Do you know that is each of you in here? Some of you may never. God has not called you to a foreign field. But he's called you to your people. He's called you to your area. He's called you to go home to your people, to your friends, and tell them what Jesus has done for you. There's a purpose of the change. And God always comforts us with the comfort wherewith we need to be comforted, but He gives us a purpose, and that comfort is to comfort others. What are you doing with your change? Maybe it's not some struggle that you've had right now, but if you've been saved, there has been a change in your life. The greatest change that has ever happened to you is when Jesus Christ came into your heart. When Jesus Christ saved you from your sin, turned you from a child of darkness and put you into the kingdom of light forever. Gave you the Holy Spirit who indwells you forever. Has changed your life. Many of you who've had a, a complete change in, in terms of evidently, you know of that change. What are you doing with that change? When you witness to people, how much do you tell them of what Jesus has done for you? How much do you tell them of what Jesus can do for them? Don't waste your change. God has a purpose for your change. And it's so that you can tell others that He can change them. Let's bow our heads in prayer.